I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Muslim teenagers face many challenges. A myth is peddled that following Islam makes life difficult, and they'll be happier if they were less religious. Let's face it, sometimes being a practicing Muslim can seem like mission impossible. Sin is exciting and Islam is so boring. But rather than reject religion, I want to offer a new point of view. In my book, Smart Teenage Muslimer, I invite girls to look at the ideas and behaviours that wider society expects them to embrace and decide whether they are good for their mental health and well-being. Concepts such as self-obsession, rampant consumerism and feminism also, what tools exist in the Quran and Sunnah to help you dream big and be a confident Muslimah? In this thought-provoking guide, you will discover guidance from our sacred texts to achieve peace of mind, understand the purpose of your life, learn what Islam has to say about puberty and sex, and get the facts about LGBTQIA+, and gender identity. So, if you're a smart teenage Muslimah whose goal is to succeed in this life, and attain Jannah in the next, this book is for you. Inshallah, to find out more, visit www.smartmuslima.com. The book is now available to buy on Amazon and Google Play Books. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In today's episode, I'll be speaking to Iram Shokat. She's a homeschooling mom from US and she's been uh, involved in organizing um, youth work workshops for Muslim and non-Muslim children, or teenagers in particular, which sounds really interesting. So inshallah, I thought it would be really nice to speak to her about um, you know, her experiences and in particular why she uh, began homeschooling and then how maybe we could take some advice and tips from her regarding how we can educate our kids in particular about Islam. Um, and I think especially because many of us were during this quarantine, that's something that we want to do. and We've now got the time to do. So Alhamdulillah, I thought it'd be great to have um, Iram on uh, to speak about her experiences. Uh, Assalamu alaikum Iram. 
وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته جزاك الله خير for having me Oh, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair so much for, for taking the time. Um, it's quite early in the US at the moment, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. It's uh, 6 a.m. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. So, mashallah, yeah, it's brilliant that you've, you've, uh, you're coming on. Um, so, how, um, how long have you been um, living in the US then? Uh, it's about 15 years now, alhamdulillah. Okay, and, and originally you're from, you're from Pakistan, isn't it? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm originally from Pakistan and I was born, brought up in uh, UA, United Arab Emirates. Um, and then uh, I completed my high school over there. And for four years, I did my undergrad in Lahore, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And then I was, uh, I got married as soon as, uh, in my last semester actually, and I came to the US and I have been here since then. So now this is home. Okay, so that must have been quite a culture shock for you. Yes, uh, it, it was. It was a culture shock. I mean, growing up watching uh, American movies and uh, American soap and um, sitcoms like Friends is totally different than being in America. Um, when I came, the first culture shock to me was um, my identity. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't figure out for some time how do I dress up and how do I, um, you know, assimilate within within the society, within the community? It's not like I had friends or family from before over here. I was uh, completely new, and in fact, actually, I was I was pretty much isolated for a long time. So um, it gave me time to think about how do I represent myself? Where do I stand when I go out? How do people see me, and how mm. do I see them? So all these questions, yeah, yeah. They, did, and and did you find? Like, um, if you were in UAE, UAE, the, just, I'm just thinking the culture of, you know, the, whether it's the way the other, um, you know, your average American was dressing or just the, you know, I don't know what, I don't want to use, well, I'm going to use the word promiscuous, but just society is very liberal and very open, um, a bit too, you know, too much, to be honest, compared to, you know, Pakistan and UAE. Um, in USA? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Of course. Of course, it is. Although there was the, there was another thing too. It was it was not very much what I had seen on the TV or in the movies, and it was not exactly opposite of that either. It was a mix and match. So, for example, I came to the East Coast, and for 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 about six to seven months, I was on the East Coast. So, the, how people behave on the East Coast in New York, New Jersey, people they're different. And then I quickly moved to uh, Midwest. And I went to Cincinnati, Ohio. I was there for four years. Mm-hmm. And the people over there are more rural and um, they, their mannerisms and behavior and dress up is a bit different. And mm-hmm. I've never lived on the West Coast, but, or, but, but like, again, that is also different. So subhanAllah, it's such a vast land mm-hmm. and people within US, uh, different states, different cities have a, have a cultural thing going on for them as well. However, on the base, it's uh, it's pretty much American. You you have a pretty much same standard. What I found was you have to be able to connect yourself to an identity and able and be able to you know move uh, in, in your life. Um, I mm-hmm. felt for some time I was stagnant. I didn't know in which direction to move. Mm-hmm. Was I a Pakistani? Was I a beca- trying to become an American? Was I um, just an immigrant was I a Muslim immigrant was I mm. so those, those those questions hit me hard and then very soon um, after coming over to the U.S. I became a mother uh-huh. and 
that it, uh, that was a, a metamorphosis the whole process not just birthing children or becoming a parent but actually genuinely thinking how to parent them and i was lucky enough that um uh, one of our family's friends they were into listening to islamic scholars and and we used to travel a lot go from one place to the other and we had time to listen to all these uh cds and recordings and it was then when it hit me that oh wow there 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 is a way to bring up children it's because for me from from my background where i'm coming from it was islamic society it was a muslim community all schools were almost the same even if they were american or non-american or uh, arab schools or um, pakistani schools or indian schools the whole atmosphere was almost the same people uh, we had islamic studies we had urdu classes we had our regular uh, secular subjects and, and we used to go to the masjid and the ramadan culture was there and the eid and everything and you was was home to me and then pakistan also of course it's it's a muslim country yes. but here there, there was no community there was no sense of community mm. for me and i had to understand how to make myself a part of a community so and it was when i was listening to those lectures during all those travels that it hit me that my children are going to have a very different life than i have mm-hmm. and yes i had a bias too i must i must admit that, that i had a bias too like i was like and i used to joke with my husband i used to say like when children start talking in english it seems as if they're but the means i don't <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know, okay, it's big, we both speak no Urdu speakers. And that's just what we're used to. So we're not saying any other language is bad, but it's what you're used yeah. to. And, and Urdu just sounds nice to us. That's what it is. Yes, yes. The whole difference of up, yes. up and you, you, you. And yes. so I was like, what is this you, you, you? I mean, there is no, there is no sense of respect. And, and then my children happen and then they're like, mama, you. Like, okay, they're not being Batamis. This is how they will talk. Okay. I learned, I learned. Oh, like a child, I learned the language. I learned the, uh, I did know English. It's not like I didn't know English. Hmm. But knowing English and understanding that english is a part of your english is your child's first language it's going to be a child's first language regardless that they're born to you regardless you talk to them in their early years in urdu they are going to pick that up as their first language and that's what they're going to live with for the rest of their life so yes so then so now this is what i think that this is probably a dilemma that many people listening will will face that that when you come to when you when you have children you have to decide it makes it dawns on you that okay how am i going to raise them and as a muslim how am i going to teach them islam how am i going so there's there's we have options and also it depends like you're saying where you're living so um in the uk what tends to happen is that um parents outsource the islamic teaching to the madrasa the local mosque will have you know after school quran class or weekend class and what tends to happen, this is, I'm generalizing quite a lot, but this is a lot of people do this. We send our kids to the local mosque and we think they will take care of the Islamic education of our kids. And we think that's enough. Um, although we will supplement some, some stuff, but uh, I'm thinking back to my upbringing. That's how my parents thought. And I, I know it's because that's what was done in Pakistan. Um, that will be enough. Now, I think for a lot of us, we're realizing actually that's not enough. 
and we need to do more. So how did you decide that, um, how, how did you decide, and I'm sure it was yourself and your husband, um, as far as Islam, how you were going to ex- teach and explain Islam to your kids? Uh, because I had suffered the isolation and felt that um, urge to have a, have an identity, I, I felt lost. I knew, and I had by the by the time I had children, I had come to becoming a practicing Muslim. I was a Muslim. I was a born Muslim. I mm-hmm. practiced a cultural Islam. I practiced the Salah, the Ramadan, the Eid, the uh, the uh, the Sunnahs uh, of uh, of the Hajj days, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, blessed enough to uh, to go on Hajj with my mother when I was only in seventh grade. So I did Hajj in my early years as well. But the point is, Islam to me was not uh, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam to me was practice of religion that I was born into. Mm-hmm. And I say this now to my children. Uh, and and, and this, this is my common theme in most of my talks as well, that there are two kinds of people. One who are into the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're beautiful people of ibadah and they're abs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they're focused on ibadah only. And the other are who understand the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they take the ibadah as a form of love towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this whole um, pull and push and, uh, and, and I must say it was a phase of depression as well because I felt so lost mm-hmm. that um, I turned towards the understanding of it's my identity cannot be just a Muslim doing the ibadah. My identity has to be somebody who understands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there were many online classes that I took for, um, uh, for understanding Quran. It was not an easy journey. It was a whole change of personality and mm. perspective. Yeah. And by the time that was happening, I was into my um, uh, third child. And they're all uh, quite close. Uh, they just have a two-year difference. So mm-hmm. I was pretty sure that, okay, you know what? My child is going to go to an Islamic school. My child is not going to enter a public school system. Mm-hmm. And the reason I decided that was because of all the lectures and all the scholars. And, and I could see the people that I was around, how the schooling is uh, affecting their children. The mm-hmm. thing is, I was not in, um, I was blessed, alhamdulillah, because I've always been an immigrant in UA. When you're born, even in UA, you don't get the visa or the, you don't get the passport. You were never called a UA national. So you're always an immigrant there. And mm-hmm. then when I came to US, I was an immigrant as well. So uh, my entire life, I was an immigrant. So I had no qualms saying, oh, I have to become an American because America is the dream. I was not sorting that dream. Oh, yes. And, um, so like you said how did i how did we come into this idea and when i said okay fine let's 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 do the islamic school and my husband uh help, was like all on board and he was like sure inshallah let's let's do this and then i entered the islamic school and i started volunteering at sunday school and like you said just a few hours of learning the haruf and the harakats of quran was not bringing character and more uh, character building into our children. And even you know, in, the, in the years of Islamic schooling, I saw this, that people think that somebody else can raise your child or mm-hmm. uh, uh, tune your child into becoming a good Muslim. Yes. Whereas there is a clear difference between what's being practiced at home 
and what's being practiced at school and your neighbors and and the environment and the and the society that you are um giving your children mm. for example the, the, the children mashallah they're very smart from the very young age they understand the parents language whether it's urdu whether it's punjabi whether it's bengali anything right but have you ever seen that child come out and say openly oh at home i speak urdu but outside i'm going to speak in whatever language whichever mm -hmm. country i am in because that's my first no they don't say that they automatically switch they understand that mm -hmm. exactly like language they change their personalities too yes inside the masjid or inside an islamic school or once they're in that parameter they have a separate set they understand this I, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but yeah, I know. Yes, <laughs> you you know, um, Imam. I think you have really just uh, you've landed on something here that I think parents we really need to be clued up on this, um, and we have to think back to ourselves as well that we did. Ex I did exactly this. I'm sure anyone raised in UK, US, Europe, um, they did this as well. That we do. We it's. Uh, I don't know if it's called code switching. I'm. I'm not sure if that is the right word. I remember studying this, but it is that you're one person in school and with your mm -hmm. friends, and you're someone mm -hmm. else at home. And we learn how to. We. Uh, you're right. We're not schizophrenics. <laughs> we're not no, no, no. It's just. <laughs> I think it's the need. Yeah. You because you know that where you're going and where you're coming from are two different, entire different worlds. They are mm. different worlds. They're they're the the upbringing, the the thought process, and everything is different. Why is it that the same child who you gave birth to, who you taught to learn and speak and everything and do the homework with, uh, after some time starts calling you a brown parent? What mm. is their identity? They say, "Oh, my parents are brown," and then there are such brown parent jokes. That, yeah, that I same know. Same kid oh, that you brought up and who who is living under your roof yeah, has yeah. separated their identity from yours. Yeah, I know. There's this whole thing. Um, uh, some sometimes they call it desi parents. Some times they call it uh, here they'll call. There's this term in England. It's freshy. You're freshy. Um, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. straight off the boat. Um, and there's mm -hmm. that comedian. I don't know what his name. He's on Netflix. Minaj, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hasan Minaj. Yeah. That's it. Hasan Minaj. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's made his career out of this. That yes. taking the mick out of. And I actually, I must admit, I really dislike him. And I dislike that whole genre of Muslim comedy where you're you're basically you're um, disrespecting your parents. Um, right. It's, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, carry on. That's yeah, that's true. They turn. Yeah, they, they, there, there's a switch in personality. And when did I realize? I did. I wouldn't have realized it if I just kept myself to the Islamic uh, schooling community. I actually volunteered at Sunday school, and I didn't volunteer uh, smaller children. I volunteered youth. For some reason, I, I was always attracted towards working with the youth, and so I got that opportunity. And I jumped on that opportunity. Subhanallah, the first class that I got. The girls, they told me straight up, Sister Farah, they told me straight up. They said, listen, we're not going to be honest with you because you are friends with our mother. So, <laughs> so if you think that you can be buddy-buddy with us and we're going to have a very friendly relationship in this classroom, no, we don't even want to come to this class, okay? Oh. We've been coming to Sunday school for almost eight years of our lives. Alhamdulillah, we know what we need to know. And I'm just sitting here because my mother said that, oh, what will Auntie Aram think? So 
Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) And I was blown away by their honesty. Now, remember, I I have young children and I don't have a teen or a preteen at home right now. And somebody else's teen comes up to me and it's just not one person. It's the whole the whole group and they Mm -hmm. tell me this reality number one what you know what hit me it hit me that's subhanallah i can't call them hypocrites because at least they know where they stand yeah yeah that's true number two they're not afraid of uh, of they're not disrespectful this is how they speak this is their culture she's not being or they are not being disrespectful they're just telling me what their expectation of me is and what i should keep my expectation this is a this is a norm amongst the youth that when they think that um, they're comfortable enough to talk to you, this is how they're going to talk to you. Again, that same thing, remember what I said in the beginning, English is such a bad language, you're so batamiz, how are you mm. talking to me? I would never imagine a young person in Urdu telling me, because my mom sent me, okay? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. So Alhamdulillah, and, and actually that hit me. And it didn't, it didn't hit me in a bad way. It hit me in a good way. And even though maybe, subhanAllah, I don't even remember that, uh, how fully um, vested I was. But after that conversation happened, I just went full in. And I was like, okay, and what? I'm going to win your trust. I'm going to understand your psyche. And we are going to do this. We're going to work. I'm not a scholar. And I told them this. And I t- I'm telling this. I'm not a scholar. I have just read Quran taken a few Quran online classes, um, done the basics, very basics of understanding my zine. And I'm just trying every day-to-day struggle to be, be a good practicing Muslim. So you're not going to, there's, there's, a, uh, there's the imam of the masjid and mm-hmm. he can teach you Islam. I'm not here to teach you Islam. I'm here to understand how to practice Islam in daily normal life. And one of the kids that was, subhanAllah, she said, it's not possible. It's not Sorry, possible. She said, to, she said it's not possible. Yeah, it's not oh, possible okay. to practice Islam in daily life. I said, how come? She says, well, because Islam says dressing like this is haram. Islam says doing this is haram. Islam says listening to music is haram. Islam says, so everything I do in my regular life is haram. Hmm. So how can you, as an adult, come to me and tell me Islam is tolerant? Islam is, uh, is, a, is a beautiful um, religion that has given women rights and, uh, and alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful whereas I have grown up knowing and understanding that in the masjid everything is haram and outside of the masjid to live a normal peaceful life you have to do all of that haram. Mm-hmm. That's really so, interesting. Yeah. Yep. I know. I guess this is the, uh, I don't know whether for the listeners they, they already know this um, but I you're right. It's, um, I think um, when I was teaching in high school um, in, in UK, it was, yeah, I think a lot of that dawned on me. I, I remember teaching in an all-girls school um, and seeing the difference when on parents' evening, the way the girls would be dressed <laughs> and the way they would yeah. speak and where they, the way they would be in class was very right. different. That And um, and it did make me realise that there's... Um, I, the, the, I guess the problem that where our our teenagers face is that they are being okay at home. We're, we've they've got the belief of Islam. We're teaching that, but outside, they're, they're being encouraged to question their beliefs. You know, they're very their belief in Allah, their belief in the Messenger, and then 
the way that Islam is the practical aspect. So like this, that young girl was saying, that's all being shown as very, it's so backward and archaic and you're right. And it's, it's you know, you need to basically, you need to set, be more secular and then you can survive. That, that's the way, that's what ends up happening, that you need to keep religion in a box at home, preferably. And then the rest of the time you, you need to just be like your average, you know, British person or, um, American. So did, um, how did, how do you, how did it go then when you continued with the sessions with the girls? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um. I, I let go of judgment, firstly. Now, keeping in mind, it was difficult for me to not judge in, uh, initially because I did not come from the same... My, I have never stepped into a public school in the U.S. Being in the U.S. for 15 years, I've never, ever stepped into a public school. The reason being my children never went to a public school. And now I'm teaching these youth who are day in, day out um, going to public schools going to colleges, talking about careers, talking about how they don't think marriage is important, don't, they do not understand, and talking about feminism and liberalism and sexism and all of that, all of the things. And so I had to educate myself about how to address, how to address the youth and understand where they're coming from. At one point, one of the girls, she, sa- she says this, you know what, Sister Idum? we've seen our mothers and honestly we believe our parents are hypocrites you all tell that we don't understand islam at least the islam that we understand doesn't tell us to be a hypocrite i was like what do you mean she says all of you working here when you all talk to each other you backbite each other right and then you say to us um oh backbiting is haram and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates it whereas we've seen our parents doing all those things that they say haram Mm -hmm. doing it by the on their own and then expecting us not to do those things how is it that uh how is it that you all say that teens or the youth are bad whereas you are not even setting a good example Mm. do you see where where this whole thing went into the whole thing went into parenting and subhanallah i ended up doing parenting classes alongside youth classes because (laughs) i was like there is a divide in conversations conversations are not happening on personal level there there is there is this deep um deep rooted um dislike against uh the older generation and we're not even that old subhanallah we're we're still like yeah maybe we might be 20 years apart or 15 years apart or Mm. 30 years apart but it's not like a 
hundred a year or fifty. Yeah, year yeah, gap, it's so. not. Yeah, it's not that that big gap. But I think that's. Um, I, I think that's a really good lesson for for myself and the listeners to to take from what you've just said. That it's true. If we are, we have to practice what we preach. And kids, they listen and hear everything. And if they will spot a they will spot a hypocrite and call it out. Even actually, you know, even if they don't call it out, they'll it'll be in their minds that yeah, okay, so mum says this, but she does something else. And then yeah. we're never going to, how can we, how can we expect our kids to follow Islam at all? Um, <coughs> and so how so did the parents, so how did the parents take the parenting classes? That, that must've been interesting. The parents are, the parents are very well versed in this routine. Remember you went, you and I, we, we, we are very well versed in this routine. So when we come to these classes, we're like, okay, so yeah, we know we have to have open conversations. Yeah, we know this. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> but honestly, uh, changing your characteristic or your uh, habits is not an easy task. And my whole thing has the my whole thing has been this. And this is why I came to homeschooling. Even now, as a homeschooler, for the past five and a half years, I see that I have many. Uh, many flaws in my personality as a parent, not as a human being. I, I call myself a good Muslim, honestly. And I don't think um, it's even bragging because mm-hmm. day in and day out, I know like the hukuk al-ibad and the hukuk al-law and the, and the ibadahs that I have to do from Fajr Salat and Aisha Salah and all of that. But it is so difficult. And that is why probably Prophet said that the person with the best of ikhfaq is equal to the person who has Stood, stood in the hajjud the whole night because there are people who stand in the hajjud the whole night but when they speak when they bring somebody down and when they tear you apart subhanallah i mean they cripple the other person for life emotionally mm-hmm. so uh, the the parenting classes they were very surface they were very right. surface yeah but um when we did uh, classes where the mothers and the girls, they had to interact or they had to write to each other or they had to say something about each other, the girls were extremely hesitant. And mm. they said, oh, I don't know how my mom is going to react to this or I don't know. Or she will react very cool in the class. But yeah. later on, I know I'm going to hear a earful. <laughs> yeah. so, because all the... Um, yeah, and this was, this was another thing. And I think... Uh, we put our, we put a lot, I don't know about the boys because I worked with the girls, but I'm pretty sure it's with the boys too. But again, our cultural minds work different for girls and our cultural minds work different for boys. This is also a stigma that the girls face, at least the, the girls that I knew. They mm-hmm. were from, uh, they were from Yemeni background. Mm-hmm. They were from Arab background, Yemeni specifically, and from um, Asian background, Afghanis, Pakistanis, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this, this thing would, come back over and over again that oh my god if i'm talking to a guy in school and my friend snitches on me or my neighbor muslim neighbor snitches on me then the whole muslim community thinks i have a boyfriend i've been going to the same school with the same person since i was four when i was talking to the person when i was four was fine but when i talk to the person when i'm 14 or 16 it's like haram yeah. So they yeah. Don't under, look at their how they're thinking about it and mm. how it's being seen outside of uh, of their world and in, in, in that masjid community or in that you know um, mm. eth, uh, ethnical community wherever wherever they belong from. So mm. there were these there are these stigmas 
that weigh our youth down. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shafar, I'm so, um, I actually started sympathizing with our children then rather than, because I started off from that point where I was like, yeah, the youth is this, the youth is that, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And when I worked with them, I became a youth supporter in real sense because I was like, subhanAllah, there is no fault in this child because this child was not taught properly Hmm. because there is so much pressure on this child to be this way, this way, this way. And then the outside world tells this child to be the other way. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That is so, I know I completely agree that I was was a lot like that. I was very, um, I was on the parent side. I don't know when the change happened. I think where the minute actually it's when you start speaking to um, your average Muslim teenager, you don't, and um, that you realize how much is going on and how confused they are. And we, and they're not adults. They're, they're, their minds and their brains are still um, developing, but it mm-hmm. is there that we don't, I think for many of us and, and for the, for, you know, from a UK perspective as well, that the way, the environment that we were raised in, just the way life was, was speaking to my husband about this um, when we came for our one of our one of our walks up in the past, like we would play on the streets with our bikes, mm-hmm. and we would literally like gangs of us would be roaming the streets. It was safe. There was no internet. You, you know, the life was so different. Um, we didn't mm-hmm. have to focus so much on our looks back then. When you see the mm-hmm. pictures of the way we dressed, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. young girls now would not dress like that. Like, I don't think my hair was combed. Um, you know, it was, and uh, so the pressures they face, I guess that's something that, inshallah, we're trying to shine a light on for, for uh, parents to, to realize that their life is very different to ours. And, we, and that means our parenting cannot be just a copy of what our parents did or what even you know we have to put more thought and more and gain islamic guidance and then in in evaluate that in a in you know 21st century now that ha- i think very carefully how am i raising my child um we're not saying our kids are perfect no one's no one's taking the blame off them either but we have to have much more empathy with them inshallah yes and even the parents like Okay, so what you just said was prevalent maybe 10 years ago. But with the phones, the, uh, uh, the phones in our hands, as parents do, I've seen that mm. parents have become, <laughs> have become equal to children yeah, at some so point. Right. They you're have so their right. own TikTok channels. Oh, goodness. They own, <laughs> and they have their own Insta uh, frenzy. Yeah, and they have their own Facebook frenzy. And, mm. uh, and now it's... um within within subhanallah within me seeing this past 15 years we have come from oh parents cannot treat their children like they were treated by their parents to mm. the point where parents cannot act like children yeah. and expect their children to be perfect hmm. uh, it's it, this shift has this shift has happened um aggressively and very quickly hmm. yeah you and this is it Pete, and no one likes to this to be pointed out but um it reminds me of um uh the class that i go to a tafsir class and we were doing the tafsir of surah asr and mm-hmm. that was um uh, alhamdulillah i love that surah um that uh, i'm gonna read the um translation that you know allah says well yeah, and the translation is, I swear by time, 
Indeed, the man is surely in a state of loss because time is always being lost, except mm -hmm. for those who believe and do righteous deeds and advise each other with truth. So that's with the huck and advise each other with sabr. And I think, um, like I mentioned previously, like the whole purpose of this podcast was, it is based on this um, um, surah that if we, when we, like you can, you're observing these things, I'm observing these things, I'm sure uh, others who are listening, they see it in themselves, they see it in their family and friends. Now, if we don't advise each other to change and to make this point out that look this isn't good we can't carry on like this because the, where is this going to lead this isn't good. this lifestyle is not going to lead to jannah it's it's not a good lifestyle that we're adopting um and we do have to advise each other and alhamdulillah so the fact that you you know it's it really warms my heart to hear that you know you you did those parenting classes and you were involved in that youth work because no one someone has to do it um and and so how did you so then so your children they were younger they weren't attending these classes so but but you adopt you decided okay i'm going to homeschool my children yes i did decide and the, my, my children were always with me in these classes because i, I couldn't leave them home my husband used to play cricket in those years <laughs> <laughs> weekends, weekends he was away so my children they they grew up in these classes uh, did that did that make them more aware no subhanallah they they're they're they no it doesn't make them aware they're just like being called cutie pie <laughs> in the classroom and being you know like because they're the children's uh, because they're the teacher's children so they get that uh, extra uh, lollipops and extra yeah. extra attention yeah <laughs> so subhanallah so um, well, going to the islamic school i did see the behavior problems that were there with uh, within the uh, the environment as well and like we like you said you pointed out as soon as you enter the masjid premises because the islamic school is usually next to the masjid at least that's how it is over here there's always a masjid the masjid is built first and after a number of years they say okay we should have an islamic school and then the islamic school is built and some islamic schools are very successful and some some don't run that successfully some close down then reopen then close down then reopen depending upon how the community is growing mm -hmm. so um as soon as they enter, the, the we joke about this, uh, literally, the same person who is driving on the road, taking care of all the driving rules outside, that I not, I, may I not be caught by the cop or get a ticket, as soon as they enter the masjid, they, they can park in front of the fire hydrant or they can block the way. And that's completely fine. And they're so fine with it. They're like, <laughs> it's okay. It's oh. the <laughs> So, and, and we joke about this, but this is exactly what happens with the marriage. People think that if you will outsource your children to the people or to the women who are wearing hijab or the man who is wearing the thobe and they call them and they, and they're, um, they are well revised in the Quran ayahs. So Alhamdulillah, my child is going to instantaneously boom, change. That does not happen. Your child sees what you watch on TV, sees how you talk, sees your foul language. How is that child who is traumatized by maybe an abusive um, home environment going mm -hmm. to come to an Islamic environment or Muslim environment and change? What is going to happen in those six, eight hours when we all know that the schooling system is basically fillers? Yes. It's, it's, it's fillers. It's not um, it is knowledge gaining, but that knowledge gaining compared to all those fillers, those breaks, those long times of writing and testing and all of that, uh, it, it's, it's not character building. 
a teacher yeah. can be a good teacher and they can, yes, they keep you, keep inviting you to do good and they keep reminding you to do good, but that's about it. Although I do recognize that every child, as, as I was also a child going to school, my majority part of the day was spent in the school, was spent with my teachers, was spent with my friends and the friends I chose on the circle I made. Because if you are at school from, let's say, six to eight hours, then you, that's the majority of your time. Because when you come home, you eat, you do your homework. And by the time you are, you're in your teens, you do the homework in your room, if you have that room, and then you just come down to eat and then you go back to sleep, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, so what time yeah. did you spend with the family? However, when you're young, that's not the case. You're still with the parent. You're still uh, uh, observing whatever is happening in the house. So I, um, I felt this urge that Iram, uh, the, what you are trying to do with your children is not enough. So mm -hmm. I did feel that urge and I felt, and I felt a sense of urgency because it's referred, I, I am realistic as well. I cannot bubble my children into an environment, but mm -hmm. I understood that these are the most important years of their life and whatever, it's like sowing a seed, whatever I'm going to sow now, they're mm -hmm. going to branch out yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. With my own life trajectory, I know I was how I transformed into a more conscious person, a more conscious Muslim. And I know I've like I had tests, they will have tests too. But my whole idea, and I say this, uh, my whole idea is not that my children are going to be absolute best Muslims or best human beings. That's not what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming for that when life will hit them and it will hit them because that is the most logical, sensible thing to, um, to realize as a parent that you cannot always shelter them. With everything happening around in the schooling systems telling you that um, there's no God or you don't have to believe in God, you can just either be good or either be bad. If they get lost, they will know how, where to return back to. They will have a center to return back to. And I have seen this over and over again that our youth do not know what their center is. Yes, they understand there is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but what does it mean to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, apart from the ibadahs, the hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not present, that God consciousness. We talk about taqwa over and over again, and the taqwa is just, it's, it's become a punchline uh, for not having alcohol or for not being promiscuous or not having illegal uh, relationships before marriage. That's hmm. it. When you, that's, the, that's what they think about. There's no understanding of God consciousness, of knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your center. So am I doing a good job with them? Oh, subhanahu, Allah knows. Allah knows. Yeah, but that inshallah. was my reason. Yeah, <laughs> that was my reason that. for bringing them that before they are set into the world at some point in the age they have to be, hmm. they will know how to navigate the world. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I think that, that sounds like it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Inshallah, you know, I think um, I think you're going to have to come on again because yeah, we've got more minutes. to speak about. Yeah. Inshallah, because what will I think? What we need to do is um, well, let's have let's have an we're going to you know we'll um, uh, speak again. And that I think what I would really be interested in, and I'm sure the others will as well. That how then how do you oh like what kind of things are you doing at home, and how have you you know th that that inshallah that that really good intention that you have to raise your kids to be strong and be able to then deal with what's um out there which um we all need to that how what kind of ideas could we what do you do what, what ideas could we get from you so 
Jazakallah khair so much uh, for coming Sorry. on today. And inshallah, we will, we will speak again. Oh, before we go, actually, if sisters would like to, um, how can they see what you're doing? Or are you, are you on Instagram or have you got a blog? Yes, uh, I am on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bits, uh, my handle is Erin Bint Sophia. Mm-hmm. And I have a Facebook page as well, the same name, Erin Bint Sophia, okay. um, as well as Erin uh, Shaka too. And I do uh, participate in a homeschooling blog, Muslim Homeschoolers Unite. Okay, um, so excellent. you can see my work there. And, and, and on Muslim Homeschoolers Unite, I blog in English, but I speak in Urdu on Facebook Lives. Okay. Um, so yeah I do, yeah so what I'll do, do I will put those details in the in the podcast information so that you know um mums can can uh, you know find you online inshallah and um inshallah um again so much and uh, inshallah I hope you have a lovely jumma and um inshallah, yeah too. and let's remember each other in our duas definitely inshallah Mainstream media outlets do not cater for the needs of you as a Muslim. There are topics which they will completely ignore. For example, the hijab ban that is happening in India, the Islamophobia that Muslim women all over in the West are facing. They don't even report Palestine or Syria in a balanced manner. So through my podcast and my YouTube channel, I discuss the topics specifically related to Muslim women, that particular mainstream popular culture will not discuss. Topics like critiquing feminism, topics such as number of hijab bans, niqab bans that are happening in India, in France, in Canada. These are challenges that Muslim women are facing. And I'm going to keep continuing to shine a light on these topics. So inshallah, I would love your help and support in continuing to create this content for Muslim women, which is challenging the very negative Islamophobic narrative that we are being given. I think as a Muslim creator, we should be producing content that is Islamic, that is well-researched and provides hope to Muslim women and men that as Muslims, when we see an evil, we can change it with our hand we can speak about it or we can hate it in our heart and I think some of us are able to create videos and podcasts and others who are not able to do that like yourself you can support that work as well and gain in the reward inshallah by contributing and supporting to my patreon page the link is in the description below inshallah may Allah reward you and please do the well for all the muslims around the world that we can continue to challenge this islamophobic narrative but always remember that Allah is with the righteous ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.